you just pretended to be nervous. Yeah, just to get a laugh out of you. And do you want to mm-hmm. say why I'm so frustrated? I don't know why you're so frustrated. We should it's a, wait, wait. It's hi, 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 hi. I'm a bride. Can I have to go first? No. Why not? Not tonight. That's nothing with the podcast. I don't care. <clears throat> Men don't always have to be first. No, they don't. But it has a nice ring to it this time. Actually, maybe we should change the title. What? A bride. We're highly a guy. successful. <laughs> Keith would not know how we to find us. Six likes on Instagram. Whoop whoop. Now, yeah, by the time you guys re- get to this episode, you're going to be like, what are you talking about? I know. You're going to be like, I, I already have the t-shirt. I know. I've, I just, we recorded a bunch of these before we started putting them online. And so, welcome to the binge listen. <laughs> the name of the podcast is A Guy. A Bride. And a Bible. I'm Mark. I'm the guy. Andrea, the bride. And we have our Bibles. I hope you have yours too. Now... Would you want to explain your comments? Okay. So, Mark, me, has this ability to do th- like speak eloquently. And Hardly. Come on, eloquence. Don't interrupt me. All right, eloquence. Speak. Make a plan on the fly. I almost want to say improv, but it's that sounds like comedy. And. If I didn't know that he hadn't prepared for it, I would think he prepared. It's that it's that good. So he did that a couple times. I'm not to say he. You did he, I don't know. He did that a couple times when I was like, "Hey, can you do a quick devotion for my my clinical group?" And he was like, "Oh, okay." And he did this devotion. And I was like, "You just like I know because I asked him for the I asked him for it right before." Yeah. Like, out of your back pocket, you gave this thing, and it was, like, this encouragement to these students because you knew that they were, like, super anxious, worrying, crying students. Snowflakes. And so he talked about, I think, the wall. You're on the wall, or you're called to this. And they're all like, oh. So I knew that you could do that with, like, the Bible. And then I know that you could do it with cooking. I know that, like, you don't get stressed very often. I don't know in the kitchen if you act more stressed. Like most chefs are like very, very stressed in the lunch, like the lunch rush or whatever. The picky eaters stress me out. But I mean the stress of the time crunch. Yeah. You don't Not like seem it. like you, huh? I like it. Oh. Makes it exciting. Oh, gosh. It's very exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. So now with this new career, he's three days in to being a fourth grade teacher. He doesn't have, I mean, I hope your boss doesn't listen to this. You really don't have the training. Like, you were never trained in elementary education. No, I was, I was trained in corporate training, actually, with right. my graduate degree. And I also taught college with that uh, right. with that training. So, yes, you have experience. But <clears throat> I wouldn't think that it's just completely transferable to fourth graders. Like, there is, like, maybe more than we'd like to think. Anyway, the subject matter. Yeah. Right? Not the same. No. So he starts and he's telling me like his first day he was, it was like one of the only times I've seen you legit nervous in a long time. Yeah. And I was like, oh, and I thought, man, maybe this, you know, is scarier for him than I thought. Maybe, you know, what if he has to really have like an adjustment period? I was ready to like walk you through that. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah. And so the first day you were like, yeah, you know, I got through it and. And also, like, the night before, I was like, so you're going to start this new career? And I was like, so what are you going to do? And you were like, well, I'm getting my room ready. My room's ready. And I was like, do you have a plan for the day? 
And you really didn't. You were like, well, you know, I've got my like subjects. Yeah. No plan. And so I really thought you were going to be like, oh man, I really have got to put more time into this at night than I Mm -hmm. thought. I've got to get like my schedule and what I'm going to do for 15 minutes and this and this and this. But you got through it and I was like, okay, got through it. You kind of just played by what you said the first day. Yeah, good to know each other. Half of my class, it's not a big class, it's a small Christian school, but half of my class is brand new. Yeah. So that was the first day. And then the second day, yesterday, yesterday, he comes home and he's like, yeah, I did this lesson plan and science on this. And there's this video thing that I use. And so I kind of took that and made it into like my own thing and expanded on it. And in my head, I'm like, okay, so he must have like practiced on that and worked on that. Like... (laughs) During his lunch, maybe even at night when I didn't know, when I was doing my own thing. You know, maybe it had a guided discussion guide with it. Because sometimes you'll get a video and I'll have like suggested questions. And so I'm like, and then I'm thinking, well, that was probably like a 10 or 15 minute video. And you like had sections where you paused it and talked about the video. And then he was like, and it went great. And Emily, our daughter, is in the fifth grade section of that class. So he teaches her, which is already like... Really cool, but also really weird. I never thought that she would, like, be taught by one of us. And so she's like, it was amazing. And I'm like, that's awesome. Like, I'm, I want you to do a good job, Yeah. by yeah. the way. I know you do. I know you do. I just don't want it to be so easy for you. <laughs> oh, there it is. There's the rub. Oh, yeah. Fully. Oh, my and gosh. So, is so, she, what is it? Does that mean you're not rooting for me? I'm totally rooting for you, but I want it to be hard. <laughs> Because it's hard for me. I want you to be able to understand. I do understand. No, you clearly don't. I couldn't teach nursing. Oh, don't patronize me. No way. Guys, she's brilliant. This woman is going after her doctorate in nursing. Come on. So Emily's like, it was awesome. I learned about this and this and this. And I was like, so the video must have been pretty cool. You know, like, not like you can't do it, but I just, the way you described it, you like yeah. say it no, not so nonchalantly that I thought you had like a, a cool video that you were able to like incorporate. Yeah. And you were like, yeah. And I was like, how many times did you watch it before? And you were like, no, not really. But then you said there wasn't even a video. So I'm still yeah, a little bit confused. It's a slideshow. But you looked at it at least once. You I made it sound it. like you hadn't even looked at it. I'll show it to you. And you'll know. Anyway. Minimal. Like you looked through it one time. It was 40 seconds long. So he spent 40 seconds prepping. (laughs) Right? And then took out their science books. Well, I ran off copies for him. So five minutes of prep. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And then Emily's like, it was amazing. My friend that's always hated science loves science now after one day with dad. And I'm like... And I'm thinking of all my students are like, I just don't know if nursing's for me. I hate this stuff. Or your class, I just can't get into it. And I'm like, this is your career? <laughs> you know? So then today, I'm like, how was it? And he's like, oh, it's pretty good. You know? And Emily's like, look at what I made in science. And she's showing me and she's explaining this whole lesson. I was like, you didn't even prep, did you? And he was like, what? Like, it's one thing to not prep and like get by and like feel like, well, at least hopefully they learned something. It's another thing to like not prep and still be able to like really do a good job. And it's just, and then icing on the cake. What? So our, do we say our last name on here? That's fine, right? Yeah, we say, yeah. 
I don't know, we're going to be able to go out in public when people all, like, know who we are. Yeah. <laughs> so, Mr. Alexander the Great. Three days. <laughs> <laughs> the fifth grade, apparently behind my back, are calling Mr. Alexander the Great. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. And so, you're clearly happy for me. I want you to do well. I just... I You're feel like, clearly happy for I me. I feel like you just can't empathize. Oh, I with, can empathize. No, you can't empathize <laughs> with can. me. I'm sitting here trying to plan my 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 lessons and activities for next week, and I'm like... I still have to do that for me? Yeah, for five minutes. <laughs> I have to grade, like, 20 papers? 60. 60. Okay. Times two classes. 120. You need a TA. I have one. Oh. For one class. Anyway. That was quite the rant. Do you feel better? It's funny. It's I, super I, funny. Oh my gosh. I am oh my gosh. super, super glad that you're liking it. You seem really happy already. I am happy You don't already. seem stressed anymore. I got to say when that you... That tough growing pains of two hours. <laughs> oh my gosh. When you blew up yesterday, I was cracking up. Oh, I wish we had audio rolling on that because even video... That was hysterical. I was not expecting so that reaction. So it's never that I don't want you to do well. Because hello, we always like encourage each other to do well. Can I? I'm gonna tell him exactly what you said though. <laughs> yes, I don't even remember. I was I so did. tired. I, when she found out, if you guys listened to the, the last podcast before this, I was asleep for part of it. I was so exhausted. She fell asleep at the end, and that's so why you I'm don't sure have a. My commentary was awesome before that too. We actually didn't do the New Testament. I know. We stopped at Daniel. We didn't. I don't even know. No, we Some didn't. Some nice even light reading in Daniel and First Samuel. Yeah, that was it, it. wasn't. Exactly. Yeah, we didn't even get the Psalms or New Testament. I just, we did I Psalms. Just I read Psalms. Oh, okay, you read Psalms. And then I ended it. So Anyway, but two nights, was it? It was last night. Yeah, it was monitor. last night. So Emily's given the report, and Andrea is just reacting in this shock and awe, like, how long did you prep? And I, I don't, I just did the thing. And she looks at me, and she doubles over in the chair, and she goes, you suck. And I laughed so hard. She had never said that to me in my life. It was perfect. It was so funny. Was oh, so and funny. then tonight when Emily is going over homework. So, Mom, do you know what... <laughs> Pangea is? Yes, Emily. Oh, well, did you know that? Yeah. She kept trying to explain what I was doing. Yeah. You want to tell them the um, that high-intensity... College class you took for rock formations? I did. Earth and Space Sciences 1 at UCLA. And, and what was it called? Earth and Space Sciences 1. The other one you were talking the about. The nickname? Yeah, the nickname for Earth and Space Sciences 1 at UCLA is? Rocks for Jocks. Rocks for Jocks. And I had to take it past fail. <laughs> so, yeah. It was so boring. It was so What was boring. the other one? Conceptual Physics. Conceptual physics, and that was known as? Physics for poets. Physics for poets. This, ladies and gentlemen, are our scientists. And I didn't realize until after college, the first time around, that I really liked life sciences. Anyway, A UCLA, part of the reason is when... Go Bruins. In, <laughs> in high school... They um, spell it with two O's. That is not nice. That's true. We're smarter than that. Well, yeah, the the jocks are brilliant. Okay, anyway. They still have to get in by their <laughs> by, by this, their by by standards. By, yeah. 
Let's touch it. Okay. How many points are in a touchdown? I didn't know any. Okay. 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 Um, I just lost it. Never mind. It's okay. We should probably get reading, though, before we get tired. Okay. Can we go? Oh, it was really quick. Okay. In high school, in biology, I protested um, dissections, and I went to the library and wrote a report on manatees. Why didn't you want to dissect anything? Because vegetarian, animals. In high school, you are vegetarian? Yeah. Really? First time. I did it for a while. Uh, um, bummer. But I probably would have realized I like life science then, even mm. though it was like a fetal pig. Blech. But I probably would have been like, what in the world? I don't know. You it just, have. I, because I did this music. This is the woman who cannot touch a chicken that has not been cooked. Um, I dissected a human. And how'd okay. that feel? Um, once I got past the grossness, mm-hmm. I, that I fell in love with biology. I just think mm-hmm. there's it's incredible how complicated it is. If we had a video right now, what face would they have seen <laughs> when our seven-year-old daughter wiggled her tooth? It's the sound. There you go. You just heard the expression on her face. Dead people don't make sounds. Yeah. Boom. Yes, they do. True. Okay. But also the arm was cut off that we dissected, and that made it easier, too, because it was like, I'm just looking at an arm. That's what I do. I, I compartmentalize when it's a person in front of me. It's just an arm. And if it's a person on a stretcher in an ER? It's just an arm. It's just a heart. It's just a IV. Okay. And if I'm looking at them, then I'm like, this is, you know, the person's in pain, and I feel for their pain, and I can... She's a noble woman, and I love her dearly, and she's as squeamish as you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I can't even look at the pictures when I teach on diabetes. Because <laughs> the wounds. Oh my Students God. like crack it because I'm like, oh, it's like black toes. Oh my God. Okay, not there. so we're going to read tonight for Samuel. It. We're going to finish up for Ooh, Samuel. That was quite the. I love that journey. That was good. Okay. Well, last night Let's, I was so boring, I have to make up for it. Good. First okay. Samuel 31. Keith, did you get that? First Samuel 31. Psalm 39. I sound like an auctioneer. Um,. Daniel eleven two through forty five, and then we need to make up for. We gotta read a lot of the New Testament. That's it's all good. Okay. That will be, like, four days worth. No, three days worth, right? Yeah. Eighth, ninth, and tenth. Six seventeen through through eight three. All right, so um, that's gonna be a lot. This. Keith, we got this. You ready? We well, go. first Samuel is really short. <coughs> All right, 1 Samuel 31. Spoiler alert, it's in the title, so I'll not say it. Let's just read it. Reading on the uh, Lexham uh, Bible on uh, bible.faithlife.com. Now, the Philistines were fighting against Israel again. Goodness gracious. You would think. Just get over it. How could they have so many people not Make a treaty or kill everybody. Well, you know, they tried that part. And David, when he took off Goliath's head, he killed everybody. Okay. Anyway, now the Philistines were fighting against Israel, and the men of Israel fled before the Philistines. So Israel retreated, and they fell slain on Mount Gilboa. And the Philistines overtook Saul and his sons. Cue the violin. And the Philistines killed Jonathan and Abinadab and Malkishua, the sons of Saul. Saul was in a th- the thick of the battle, and the archers spotted him, and he was badly wounded by the archers. 
They pinned him to the ground with an arrow. Then Saul said to his armor bearer, draw your sword and thrust it through me so that these uncircumcised do not come and thrust me through and make a fool of me. But his armor bearer was not willing to do so because he was very afraid. So Saul took the sword and fell on it. And when his armor bearer saw that Saul was dead, he also fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul died and his three sons, his armor bearer, and all his men together that same day. Moment of silence and over. And when the men of Israel who were on the other side of the valley and those who were beyond the Jordan saw that the men of Israel, the other ones, had fled and that Saul and his sons were dead, they abandoned the towns and fled. Thus, the Philistines just came in and lived with them. I'm not going to say it. And then the next day, the Philistines came to strip the dead. And they found Saul and his three sons lying dead on Mount Gilboa. So they cut off his head and stripped off his armor. Then they sent messengers around in the land of the Philistines to proclaim victory in the temples of their idols and to the people. And they put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreth. And they fastened his corpse to the wall of Beth Shan. When the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead heard about it, what the Philistines had done to Saul, all the valiant men, also known as the men of ability, the men who could fight, the men who were incensed, they set out and went all night and took the corpse of Saul and the corpses of his sons from the wall at Beth Shan. And they came to Jabesh and burned them there. Then they took their bones and buried them under the tamarisk in Jabesh. And they fasted for seven days. Well, that's a happy story. Well, you know. So 31.4, uncircumcised makes four to me. Remembering how the Philistines abused and tortured Tormented Samson. Mm-hmm. Saul wished to prevent such things happening to him, especially since he was the Lord's anointed. For other recorded suicides from the Bible, see note on Second Samuel 17. We'll get there. And then 10, the house of Ashtaroth was the temple of Astarte, or Astarte, mm-hmm. the Canaanite fertility goddess and counterpart of Baal, and was located in the strategic city of Beth Shen at the junction of the Jezreel and Jordan Valleys. The bodies of the fallen... Warriors were hung on the wall along the open square of the city. That is just gruesome. Yeah, it shows prowess and ruthlessness. Yeah. And it says the bodies were recovered and buried by the men of Jabesh Gilead, who had not forgotten how Saul once rescued them. And then 12, cremation was not the general Hebrew practice, except no. in the case of criminals. That's from Joshua 7. The bodies may have been burned because they had been badly mutilated. Yeah. Even so, the bones were preserved and buried. Yeah. And then the week of fasting was a sign of public mourning for the king of Israel. Saul's great failure as king was his disobedience, which eventually disqualified him from holding the office. Had Saul been obedient to God, perhaps his life would have ended in great glory rather than dark, tragic defeat. Quick overview from the Lexham Bible here is um, for the verses 1 through 13. In fulfillment of Samuel's prophecy... If you look back at chapter 28, verse 19, this is when the Mm -hmm. spirit of Samuel comes up. Saul and his sons engaged the Philistines in battle and are killed. 
The era of Saul draws to a close with their defeat at the hands of Israel's arch enemy. In the wake of Saul's death, the narrative sets the stage for David's monarchy and Israel's finest hour. All right. Psalm 39. Anything else? No, that's, okay. it. that's it. Psalm 39, um, the intro. David asks God to help him accept the brevity of life and to cease chastening him in view of its shortness. Jeduthun, one of the choir members appointed by David to lead public worship. Okay, and then verse 1, the commentary. David's feeling that God was to blame for the brevity of life was strong enough to be taken for disloyalty if it had been vented before the wicked. I said, I will guard my ways that I may not sin with my tongue. I will guard my mouth as with a muzzle while the wicked are in my presence. I was mute and silent. I refrained even from good and my sorrow grew worse. My heart was hot within me while I was musing the fire burned. Then I spoke with my tongue, Lord, make me to know my end and what is the extent of my days. Let me know how transient I am. Behold, you have made my days as handbreadths, and my lifetime as nothing in your sight. Surely every man at his best is a mere breath. Surely every man walks about as a phantom. Surely they make an uproar for nothing. He amasses riches and does not know who will gather them. And now, Lord, for what do I wait? My hope is in you. Deliver me from all my transgressions. Make me not the reproach of the foolish. I have become mute. I do not open my mouth because it is you who have done it. Remove your plague from me. Because of the opposition of your hand, I am perishing. With reproofs, you chasten a man for iniquity. You consume as a moth what is precious to him. Surely every man is a mere breath. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and give ear to my cry. Do not be silent at my tears, for I am a stranger with you, a sojourner like all my fathers. Turn your gaze away from me, that I may smile again before I depart and am no more. Man, he's sad. Super sad. Yeah. Um. You know, I was actually thinking while... We were reading Psalm, First Samuel thirty-one. Yeah. Of how David must have felt when he found out Jonathan died, and I oh, wonder. Yeah. I, I wonder if any. It's the same person that wrote this psalm. Yeah. So I wonder if some of the same emotions were there. You know. It could have been, but again, the I, brevity of life and. Yeah. I mean, David's life was, in many ways, you could say, it was surrounded by a lot of death. Yeah, but Jonathan was like his. Exactly, he yeah. grieved it hard. Um, life is only a few handbreadths. This is commentary verse five, four fingers. It's like small Mm -hmm. as a phantom, as a shadow, unsubstantial Verse six, verse 12. He prays that God will be kind to him in the same way he taught Israel to be kind to the stranger and sojourner. And that's from Deuteronomy 10 and then 13, turn your gaze away from me and the sense of diverting chastening for sin so that his days may be enjoyable. That we've both had that feeling. Yeah. And that is a very lonely feeling. Yeah. And I'm sure we're not the only ones who felt that. Maybe maybe some of our Keiths or Susans have felt something. Um, anybody who's human? Pretty much human people. Yeah. Even Susan? No. Gotta be. No. I know she can. No. She lights up her room. Nope. I get it. Susan. But even Susan. Susan. She's never wanted so to then. turn away from Jesus. It's probably true. I don't believe it. Love you, Susan. All right, let's find Daniel. Why can't I find any? Oh, we're only, we're not doing two psalms. Okay, I'm sorry. Me, I was ready for remember, four. And 
it just feels good to have a little bit of energy. I like that. But the yawning is still happening. She, guys, if you can picture this, we're just reclining on our couch reading this, and my arm is around her. She's turning her Bible. This, is, If you were in our living room, this is what you would see. We're just, we're inviting you in. And, you know, welcome you get to our living room. A little canoodling with the word, and all of a sudden, you get a little relaxed. You start yawning. Mm -hmm. So, our apologies if it is distracting to you. Hey. Yeah. I'm relaxed. Daniel, chapter 11. 11. Again, I just want to encourage everybody. Um, starting at verse 2. Starting at verse 2. But I, I just want to encourage everybody in Daniel, it is. These are some really intense prophecies, interpretations, and such. And man, there's so many people today that have dialed in this and that, and they go into mid trib, post trib, and this kingdom, and that kingdom, and they could spend a, a lifetime. We're not going there. And no, we're not going there. We're letting the word just come into us, give us its wisdom, and let the Holy Spirit uh, just use it for us right now. If you want to do a deep dive, definitely check out the Bible Project. They have a ton of information on Daniel. I'm just going to stop right there. All right. I'm reading it up. A survey of the kings of the north and south. That means the north kingdom and the south kingdom. But here we go. Uh, uh, and I, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood as a support and as a protection for him. And now I will reveal the truth to you. Look, still three kings will arise in Persia, and the fourth will get abundance and great wealth, even more than all of them. And when he becomes strong through his wealth, then he will stir up everyone against the kingdom of Javan, or Havan, that is Greece. And a mighty king will arise, and he will rule with great dominion, and he will do as he pleases. Woo! Whatever is at his pleasure. And But as he rises in power, his kingdom will be divided toward the four winds of heaven, and not to his posterity, and not according to his dominion by which he ruled, for his kingdom will be uprooted and given to others besides him. Then the king of the south will grow strong, and also one of his officials, and he will grow stronger than him, and he will rule a dominion greater than his dominion. And at the end of some years, they will make an alliance, and the daughter of the king of the south will come to the king of the north and make a peace treaty. But she will not retain her position of power, and his offspring will not endure, and she will be given up, she and her attendants and her child supporting her, in those times. And a branch from her roots will rise up in his place, and he will come against the army, and he will enter the stronghold of the king of the north, and he will take action against them, and he will prevail. And also their gods, little g, and their idols, and with the precious vessels, silver and gold, he will take to Egypt into captivity, and for years he will leave the king of the north alone. And then he will come into the kingdom of the kingdom of the king of the south, and he will return to his land. But his sons will wage war, and they will gather a multitude of great forces, and he will advance with great force, and he will overflow like a flood, and he will pass through and he will return, and they will wage war up to his fortress. 
and the king of the south will become furious, and he will go and he will battle against him, against the king of the north. And he will muster a great multitude, and the multitude will be given into his hand. When the multitude is carried off, his heart will be exalted, and he will overthrow tens of thousands, but he will not prevail. And the king of the north will again rise or raise a multitude, gather, I'm sorry, greater than the former. And at the end of some years, he will surely come with a great army, with great supplies. And in these times, many will rise up against the king of the south, and the violent ones of your people will lift themselves to fulfill the vision, but they will fall, and the king of the north will come, and he will throw up siege ramps and capture a city of fortifications and the military forces of the south, and his choice troops will not stand, for there is no strength left to resist. And the one coming to him will act according to his pleasure, and there is no one who will stand before him. And he will stand in the beautiful land, and complete destruction will be in his power. <clears throat> and he will set his face to come with the authority of his whole kingdom, and will form an agreement, and he will act, and the daughter of women he will give to him to destroy it. But the ploy will not succeed, and she will not support him, and he will turn his face to the coastlands, and he will capture many, but a commander will end his insults to will end his insults to him, so that instead his insults will turn back on him. And he will turn back his face toward the strongholds of his land. And he will stumble, and he will fall, and will not be found. Then in his place will arise one, sending an official throughout the glory of his kingdom. And in a few days he will be broken, but not in anger and not in battle. And in his place a despicable person will arise, on whom they have not conferred, the majesty of the kingdom. And he will come in without warning, and he will seize the kingdom by deceit. And before him, mighty military forces will be utterly swept away, and they will be broken, and the leader of the covenant, and also the leader of the covenant. And after an alliance is made with him, he will act deceitfully, and he will rise, and he will become powerful with few people backing him. In a time of ease and in the rich parts of the province, he will come and he will do what his predecessors did not do. He will distribute plunder and spoil and possessions to them and he will devise his plans against fortifications, but only for a time. And he will stir up his power and his heart against the king of the south and with a much greater and stronger army. But he will not succeed for they will devise plans against him. And those who eat of his royal rations will break him, and his army will be overwhelmed, and many will fall slain. And two of the kings will bend their hearts to evil, and at the same table they will speak lies. But what is discussed will not succeed, for still an end is coming at the appointed time. And he will return to his land with many possessions, but his heart will be set against the holy covenant. And he will take action, and he will return to his land. And at the appointed time he will return, and he will come into the south,
but it will not be as it was before, and the ships of Kittim will come against him, and he will lose heart, and he will turn back, and he will be enraged against the Holy Covenant, and he will take action, and he will turn back, and he will pay attention to those who forsake the Holy Covenant. And military forces from him will occupy and will profane the sanctuary stronghold and they will abolish the regular burnt offerings and they will set up the abomination that causes desolation. And those who violate the covenant, he will seduce with flattery, but the persons who know their God will stand firm and will take action. And those who have insight will instruct the many, but they will fall by sword and by flame by captivity and by plunder for some time. And when they fall, they will receive little help, and many will join with them in hypocrisy. And even some of those who have insight will fall in order for them to be refined by it and to be purified and cleansed until the time of the end, for the appointed time is still to come. Then the king will do as he pleases, and he will exalt himself, and he will consider himself above any god. And he will speak horrendous things against the God of gods. Yet he will succeed until the period of anger is finished. For what is determined will be done. He will not pay respect to the gods of his ancestors or to the darling of women. Not to any god will he pay respect. For he will consider himself great over all gods. But instead he will honor the god of fortresses. A god whom his ancestors did not know. He will honor him with gold and with silver and with precious stones and with costly gifts. And he will deal with the, pure, with the fortified strongholds with the help of a foreign god. And he will increase wealth for whoever will acknowledge him. And he will cause them to rule over many and he will distribute land for a price. And at the time of the end, the king of the south will attack him. And the king of the north will storm against him with chariots with horsemen, and with many ships, and he will advance against countries, and he will sweep through like a flood. And he will come into the beautiful land, and many will fall victim, but these will escape from his power, Edom and Moab, and the best parts, best part of the Ammonites. And he will stretch out his hand against countries, and the land of Egypt will not escape. And he will rule over the treasures of gold and silver and over all the precious things of Egypt. And the Libyans, Cushites, they will follow in his footsteps. But reports will terrify him from the east and from the north. And he will go out with great fury to destroy and to exterminate many. And then he will pitch the tents of his palace between the sea and the beautiful holy mountain. And he will become... He will come to his end, and there is no one helping him. And breathe. Is that it? Yep. Okay. First, uh, that was Daniel 12, all 45 verses. I mean, there's a ton of notes, but it's all... The thing, I was reading the notes while you were talking, and um, I haven't studied Daniel, like... To a great extent, just because it's so there's so much to it. Huge. We went through several sermons of it at our previous church, and that was it was really cool to get some more um, context to it. But just reading how specific, I I didn't have the footnotes when yeah, I had yeah. um, just how much of it was exact. Yeah, which I hadn't really dived into that before. I want to point out because this was written 
Several hundred years before. Yeah. Here's the thing. There were, it's about 200 years before. There was an argument in the... No, 537. Oh, some of this was like in the 100s BC. So like up to 400 years before. Exactly. But I want to get to that. Okay. But wow. A big wow. In the, in the academy, if you, if you have a PhD in theology, you always say that. You always hear this. Uh-huh. Well, in the academy... Goodness gracious. It's like I this, don't belong in the academy. I know. It's a, it's ubiquitous. It, it it doesn't exist anywhere but in the minds of people with PhDs. Yeah, anyway. Give us all a break. In the academy, an argument arose over the last, let's just say, 100 years. That, even before that, really. They were saying the book of Daniel is not to be trusted because his prophecies were true. Isn't that funny? But they said his prophecies were so specific that they had to have been written after these things happened. So whoever wrote this part of Daniel wasn't Daniel at all. Oh, yeah. We listened to that. Exactly. That was an argument and still exists to some people in a different, uh, let's just say, a more progressive uh, interpretation of the history. But there is a stronger Argument of historical evidence that says, no, Daniel did, in fact, have all this written before the events happened. It is clear in the history. That's as deep as I'm going to get. But I'm going to say this one thing. It's accurate because it is true prophecy. Yeah. That's all you need to know. When God speaks through his prophets, it is specific. Yeah. It is specific. I think I just didn't realize how... Like, the daughter will be, you know, all this, even about that. Like, yeah, it's because sometimes we read stuff and I think I wouldn't want the job of being a Bible commentator, you know, but sometimes we're like, this could be referring to this. It's unclear and stuff. Like there's sometimes where we don't fully understand something. It doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah. But this is like, those footnotes were like, yep, this was this, this chronologic order, this happened. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it must have just been amazing at that time to see these things unfold that that were written before. Oh, breathtakingly. That's what I'm picturing is like, what? Do you guys remember this? Yeah. Because this was, Jewish people would know Daniel, right? It would be shared. Yeah, well, yeah, in the temple, they're definitely got to be reading Daniel. Right. Back in Jerusalem. Like at that time. Yep. Can you imagine I, I guess staggering. we can't imagine because there's some stuff that like people are saying, like, this is it. Yeah, this is where now... This doesn't feel like it aligns that closely to me, though. No, it doesn't. Because clearly there are things... We can go through what Daniel just prophesied and we can pick out in history, okay, this represented right. the Medes. This represented right. you know, Roman. And this maybe is... hindsight is part of that. Yeah. It is. I don't know. But the problem is when you try to shoehorn prophecy. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. This exactly. is so cool. Yeah. You cannot force prophecy to work yeah. when it doesn't work. And to me, because prophecy stuff, I don't know, it's just always kind of freaked me out. Like, especially like end time stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I grew up in that whole left behind time. I didn't really even watch that stuff because it freaked me out. Yeah. Um, you didn't watch it because Kirk Cameron? Hi, Kirk. I wasn't allowed to watch Growing Pains and then he made that. I mean, give me a break. Hi, Kirk. Hi, Kirk. Uh, I don't think he would like me. I think he would like it just fine. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but the thing that came through to me this time, which was like surprising, was just the kindness of God 
to give this message. Absolutely. Because he didn't give Daniel this message just to scare the crap out of people. Yeah, that's theological for crap. What? You said crap. I just want to say that's a theological term. Oh. That's fine. Anyway. We just went to PG. Yeah. Right anyway. There. It must... It, it's It's comforting to have a warning of things that are going to come. And it's comforting to know that, like, we truly worship God that mm. is all-knowing. Yeah. So I would think that as Daniel's getting this, I would think it was, like, heavy stuff. But it must have also been, like, wow, you cared enough about us to, to give us a warning and to let us know what's coming. Yeah. I don't absolutely. know. I came through to me tonight. Well, no, it's, it's fantastic. To point that out, Daniel had dreams and interpretations that were very detailed. Mm -hmm. That is gracious of God yeah. to do that. God didn't have to warn anybody about anything. He could have just act it. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out. And, and think about all these other religions where yeah. they're just terrified of their gods that don't ever speak. Yeah, because... This well, is so different. Right, this yeah. is so different, right? Um, when Daniel's written here, this is, this is, um, after, this is exile. So Israel has been basically just struck by God and you got the remnant that ran off to Egypt and you've got the other exiles pulled out to Babylon. There are other prophets who are prophesying. Last night we talked about Jeremiah. Uh, Daniel mentions Jeremiah. And then you've got Nehemiah and you've got smaller little dudes, Amos and, and the, the quote unquote minor prophets. What's going to happen in this time with Daniel is that this is important to what we just said. Uh, Malachi, Malachi. Let's just say I'm right. Uh, the final book in the Old Testament ends with, and we'll get to there eventually here. Actually, not too far off. It ends with heaven being shut and there being silence yeah. for four hundred years. This is that warning that you know things are coming. God is speaking. God is speaking. God is speaking, and all of a sudden, God does not speak for four hundred years. That's a, ter a terrifying thing. Yeah. When you're so used to God speaking through prophets. Yeah. They all get silenced until John the Baptist. Yep. Okay. All right. So now we're going to go to Luke 6, 17. Hey, Bride, are we going to take a Luke at the Bible? I'm not going to respond to that with any type of dignity. That was good. Okay. The characteristics what? of the disciples, the just, great sermon. You're just going to leave people hanging? Yeah. Jesus came down with them and stood on a level place, and there was a large crowd of his disciples and a great throng of people from all Judea and Jerusalem and the coastal region of Tyre and Sidon, who had come to hear him and to be healed of their diseases, and those who were troubled with unclean spirits were being cured. And all the people were trying to touch him, for the power was coming from him and healing them all. And turning his gaze, toward, gaze towards... <laughs> gaze toward his disciples, he began to say... Blessed are you who are poor, for yours is the kingdom of God. Blessed are you who hunger now, for you shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep now, for you shall laugh. Blessed are you whose men, when men hate you, and ostracize you, and insult you, and scorn your name as evil, for the sake of the Son of Man. Be glad that in that day, and leap for joy, for behold, your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way their fathers used to treat the prophets. But whoa, yep. Whoa, but whoa, yeah, it's different after we've read Jeremiah, right? Totally. But I think that's why you did that. Maybe. And even Samuel. No, Samuel wasn't treated too bad, was he? No, not at all. Right. Uh, 
But woe to you who are rich, for you are receiving your comfort in full. Woe to you who are well fed now, for you shall be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, for you shall mourn and weep. Woe to you who, when all men speak well of you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Oh, snap. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. Oh, people oh let's make, just take a minute on that. I almost glazed over that because I'm reading, you know. Whoa, okay, that's Luke six twenty six. Oh, I mean, the reason oh, I'm pausing on this... Babe. What? Mr. Alexander the Great. Uh-oh. Hey, these, hey. <laughs> Careful now. Their parents don't say that. Come on, son. Oh, but when we... Sydney I, just totally snored. She's like... <sighs> don't excite my dog. Yeah. Uh, Jer- I just keep thinking of our time in Jeremiah. When Jeremiah spent those 23 years going head-to-head against the false prophets in the temple. And and I, that's all I can see when I see this verse is Jeremiah. Well, whenever people speak well of you, for their fathers used to say the same things to the false prophets. So they're they're like patting and lifting up the false prophets and just patting them on the back. Keep saying the good stuff to us. Keep saying the good stuff to us. Keep the party going. And here comes Jeremiah, his head in the stockade thing, the yoke. He walks into the temple. This is what Israel's like. And nobody's saying good things about Jeremiah. Matter of fact, they kicked him to the ground and beat him and... I'm sorry, go ahead. I just struck Well, I'm just me. thinking of some churches now. Oh, come on, speak it. Woe to you when all men speak well of you. For their oh. fathers used to... Tre- That's where I thought you were going. Oh, man. For their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. Oh, my goodness. That's where I thought you were going right away. Well, I was... I Yeah, I... Yeah. Should we just leave it there and just kind of have yeah. a moment of silence? No, but I'm just saying, yeah. Okay. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. Whoever hits you on the cheek, offer him the others also. And whoever takes away your coat, do not withhold your shirt from him either. Give to everyone who asks of you. And whoever takes away what is yours, do not demand it back. Treat others the same way you want them to treat you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. Pause. May I? Yeah. Just want to point something yeah, out. Verses 20, not a big line. Verses 27 through 31. Take a minute here, hit pause on the podcast and read that one more time. I'm going to ask you a simple question. What does that tell you about your rights? End of pause. Go 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. If you do good to those who are good, who do good to you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. If you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners in order to receive back the same amount. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your reward will be great. And you will be sons of the Most High. For he himself is kind to ungrateful and evil men. Oh, that's a big one, huh? Yep. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. And do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Pardon, and you will be pardoned. Give, and it will be given to you. They will pour into your lap a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. For by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you in return. 
And he also spoke a parable to them. A blind man cannot guide a blind man, can he? Will they both not fall into a pit? A pupil is not above his teacher, but everyone, after he hears, after he has been fully trained, will be like his teacher. Why do you look at the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out that speck that is in your eye, when you, do, when you yourself do not see the log that is in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck that is in your brother's eye. Mm. For there is no good tree which produces bad fruit, nor, on the other hand, a bad tree which produces good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For men do not gather figs from thorns, nor do they pick grapes from a briar bush. The good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good, and the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil, for his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Ouch. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts on them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation on the rock. And when a flood occurred, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it, because it had been well built. But the one who has heard this and not acted accordingly is like a man who built a house on the ground without any foundation, and the torrent burst against it and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of that house was great. Anything oh. you want to... I am just gripped. I mean, I've, I love Luke, and I love um, rereading this revisiting this for me i mean i just really do love luke 38 it looks like you're looking at 40s can i just read about 38 yeah hit 38 Um, give and it will be given to you oh pour into your lap a good measure pressed down shaken together and running over and this imagery is of a container of grain filled to the brim and running over the edge our liberality should be like that yes it should that's a beautiful image isn't it i agree with you wholeheartedly and i'm Hearing you put it that way, I'm also saddened how that verse has been taken out of context by by prosperity doctrine, by those who preach prosperity gospel, which is no gospel at all. Um, this is not necessarily an apologetic show, but we are definitely yeah. not going to give credence to prosperity gospel. Right. And when you, context is everything. So if I'm just going to take 38 out, totally, I'm going to slide that into my offering time and say, hey, do this. Guess totally. what? I, what did I just miss? Go back up to 37. In Judge, context, read that and be part. be merciful and be loving and be giving. Yeah. Pardon. You see, there's nothing about tithes and offerings in this. This is about character, measure of those intangible things like mercy, like love, like forgiveness. And if you look at it from that context... What if that's what he's talking about being poured into your lap? What if he's mm-hmm. talking about goodness and love and mercy I, it, instead in context, of yeah. money? And, and right? Exactly. Right. Exactly. This is what we're talking about because yeah. in the context, no money is... We haven't talked money yet in this chapter. Yep. Not at all. Now up here in verse 35, it says, But love your enemies, do good, and lend expecting nothing back and your reward will be great and you will be sons of the most high that's a reward that's the reward because he is kind to the ungrateful and his love and yeah be merciful just as your father is merciful that is the context of what we're talking about 
I, that's what I really wanted to share on. Okay. And I love the imagery, though, that Ryrie put there, like grain just pouring out all over you. Well, and I think the reason... Grain was currency. I think you press it down, and then you shake it to, like, mm-hmm. let the small pieces... Like, you've seen, like, mm-hmm. that... Yeah. Remember the, the thing people talk about, your rocks? Like, put rocks in a jar, yeah. and yeah. then... So yeah. it's like... Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. What I was looking for was here... Um, I got hit. This goes back a few verses back about the false prophet thing, Ooh, right? Yeah. Right. 46 just hits me right in the face where it just says, and why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Because Lord means master, yeah, right? Yeah. So why do you call me master and you don't even do what I tell you? Why Parents? do you call me boss? Well, yeah, but right? the, we know Keith and Susan have a couple kids. Yeah. And I know maybe our generic Keiths and Susans out there, they might have some kids in their lives. We all share one thing in common. The frustration of telling our children what to do and it not getting done. Uh-huh. That frustration of our heart is, why can't you just do what I'm telling you to do? And they just fight you on it. And we've, we've discovered that we are like that as children to our father. But when he says, why do you even call me Lord, Lord? You don't even do what I tell you to do. Well, what did he tell you to do? He just got done telling you to do it. He just got done talking about mercy, forgiveness, pardons, love, giving of your supply and your support. He talked about turning the other cheek, walking an extra mile. All of it up to this point. If you wonder what the Lord's you know plan is for your life, just read Luke 6 because he just told you what to do. He just told you what to do. And then he wraps it right here in 43, for there's no good tree that produces bad fruit. This is so important. You want to know what's in somebody's life? Look at the fruit that's produced. It's either bad or it's good. And no fruit is bad fruit because Jesus cursed the fig tree didn't have fruit on it. I'm just pointing that out right now. The good person out of the good treasury of his heart brings forth good. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay, sorry, I'm ramping. Let's just go on to seven. You want me to read? You got it. No, I'm okay. Okay. When he had completed all his discourse in the hearing of the people, he went to Capernaum. And a centurion slave who was highly regarded by him was sick and about to die. Did you go to Capernaum? Yes. My wife went to Capernaum. I really liked it. I didn't go. I didn't know her. So a lot of Israel is very, very dry. Yes. Desert and all. Desert. But for a tiny country, there's a lot of geographic diversity. Nice. How about that? Would you like that? Girl. What Cap- did you like about Capernaum? It was green, and it's by the water, and it's beautiful. Awesome. How long were we there? A minute? A day. Half a day. I'd take a half a day in Capernaum. Yeah. We only had, we had a five-day weekend, so we went for the five-day weekend. This is in her European days of last century. Yeah, but like... Thanks. No, no, it was not. Thank you very much. It was it in 2000. Oh, was it? This century. You kicked off the century. 20 years ago. Brah. Yeah. Oh, that just 21 years ago. Her face just shifted right there, man. Yeah, 20 and a half years ago. Whatever. <laughs> um, but it was lush and green, and I really liked it. Okay. When he had heard about Jesus, he sent some Jewish elders asking him to come and save the life of his slave. But it's okay. And relax. Okay. 
When they came to Jesus, they earnestly implored him, saying, He is worthy for you to grant this to him. For he loves our nation, and it is he, it was he who built us our synagogue. Now Jesus started on his way with them, and when he was already not far from the house, the centurion sent friends, saying to him, Lord, do not trouble yourself further, for I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. For this reason I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but just say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I... Also, I'm a man placed under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go, and he goes. And I say to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and he does it. Now, when Jesus heard this, he marveled at him and turned and said to the crowd that was following him, I say to you, not even in Israel have I heard, found such good faith. When those who had been sent returned to the house, they found the slave in good health. Soon afterwards, he went to a city called Nain, and his disciples were going along with him, accompanied by a large crowd. Now as he approached the gate of the city, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, and a sizable crowd from the city was with her. When the Lord saw her, he felt compassion for her, and he said to her, Do not weep. And he came up and touched the coffin, and the bearers came to a halt, and he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. The dead man sat up and began to speak. Hey, what's and going Jesus on? And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Fear gripped them all, and they began glorifying God, saying, A great prophet has arisen among us, and God has visited his people. This report concerning him went out all over Judea and all over the surrounding district. I can imagine um, that would cause quite a stir. Uh-huh. So, yeah, Jerry died, and uh, we were taking him out of the city because that's what Moses told us to do. Um, Jesus showed up, and... Uh, Jerry, what did he say to you? Oh, man, that would just be awesome. The, oh, disciples, be awesome. Of, the disciples of John reported to him about all these things. Summoning two of his disciples, John sent them to the Lord, saying, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? When the men came to him, they said, John the Baptist has sent us to you to ask, Are you the expected one, or do we look for someone else? At that very time, he cured many people of diseases and afflictions and evil spirits, and he gave sight to many who were blind. And he answered and said to them, Go and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the, de the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, the poor have the gospel preached to them. Blessed is he who does not take offense at me. When the messengers of John had left, he began to speak to the crowds about John. What did you go out into the wilderness to, to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man dressed in soft clothing? Those who are splendidly clothed and live in luxury are found in royal palaces. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and one who is more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way before you. I say to you, among those born of women... There is none greater than John, yet he who is least in the kingdom of God is greater than he. When all the people and all the tax collectors heard this, they acknowledged God's justice, having been baptized with the baptism of John. But the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected God's purpose for themselves, not having been baptized by John. To what then shall I compare the men of this generation, and what are they like? They are like children who sit in the marketplace and call to one another, and they say, We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not weep. For John the Baptist has come, eating 
no bread and drinking no wine, and you say, He has a demon. The Son of Man has come eating and drinking, and you say, Behold, a gluttonous man and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. Yet wisdom is vindicated by all her children. Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. Now when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know who and what sort of woman, person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. A money lender had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and another 50. When they were unable to repay, he graciously forgave, forgave them both. So which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one who forgave more. And he said to him, Yes, you have judged correctly. Turning toward the woman, he said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house, and you gave me no water for my feet. But she has wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss, but she, since the time I came in, has not ceased to kiss my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my feet with perfume. For this reason I say to you, her sins, which are many, have been forgiven, for she loved much, but he was forgiven little, loves little. And he said to her, Your sins have been forgiven. Those who were reclining at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this man who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. And I think we're supposed to read just eight, one through three. Soon afterwards, he began going around from one city and village to another, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses. Mary, who was called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others who were contributing to their support out of their private means. Okay. Woo! So much, Luke. Mm -hmm. So much, Luke. Congrats, man. That was awesome, too. When you did 53 verses that time. A whole lot to read. What do you got? You want to just jump into a couple, just cherry pick some? Um, I kind of talked on the, along the way. Yeah. I'm sorry about that, but... No, it's great. I don't think that I have a lot. I think we've all read this quite a few times, and it's just good to revisit it. I do love the revisiting. Um, so the... The woman who washed his feet, the mm -hmm. whatever, alabaster jar. Yeah. Um, isn't there a song? Uh, C.C. Winans has a song about the alabaster That's jar. That's before my time, sorry. No, it's not. You were, um, you were just young. I think there's another one. But um, there's alabaster heart, I think. I don't know. Um, but this parable... No, this was not even this a parable. This was uh, This story... Um, if you're hearing whimpering, um, Sydney is choked Sid up. Sydney's actually having a, a dream. A dream about. We wish Daniel were here. Huh? Daniel can interpret a dream. <laughs> Just pointing that out. Oh my gosh! See, see how he does it. She's a double doodle. She's so sweet. Double guys. doodle. Dreaming, so dreaming, sweet. double doodle. Yeah. Okay. This story 
is a huge story in my story. Oh, is it now? Yeah, I don't want to tell the story right now. Okay, you don't have to tell now. Someday, maybe. But, um... You got Patreon? What? How about when we do our first conference? Oh, my gosh. How about we do our first conference? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Susan, he already has merch, like, picked out in his head. I do. Oh, my gosh. It would be bad if we have some sassy verses in in context. Anyway. Anyway. I love that there are some passages that are so, like linked to like a certain moment in our lives or like a certain experience. So, um, this is one, um, and the sermon, it was actually, uh, I listened to a sermon mm-hmm. on a train in Europe. Right. Whoa. All right. Um, so it was like very, like very memorable moment. I believe I was in Turkey on a train or remain Eastern Europe somewhere. I think it was Turkey. And um, a friend had given me, I was not doing so well at the time, and a friend just gave me the CD, and they were like, you could listen to this, like, bye, because we had, like, traveled together, mm-hmm. and um, I put this in, and it was just a very, very, very hard time for me, and Francis Chan. Francis Chan, hi, Francis. Um, and I think I still have the CD in my CD case that I keep, that I keep just for a, just for that. Um, but That's it's with my next for NSYNC and her Backstreet Boys. Um, no, no. TNA no. could TN the no. new kids on the block. No, no. Um, I'm younger than you. Spice Girls. I had tapes of all those things. Spice Girls. Anyway. Silence. Anyway. It's confession. Francis Chan. Yeah. The sermon was called "Experience True Forgiveness," and it was about this, and it was just about how. It was really, because usually we read it and we're like thinking about the woman, right? We're like, wow, you know, look at what she did. And she was so lavish with her praise and everything, Mm -hmm. which is a beautiful story. But he looked actually more at like Jesus and his response to her. And I'm sure that maybe you've read it differently, but like um, just his complete acceptance of her. Mm -hmm. And like, like no doubt about it. He accepted her and encouraged her and told her. But he did say, like, um, your sins have been forgiven. And I don't know if he says sin no more, but go in peace. Like, Mm -hmm. there's clearly a sense of change, I would think, based on that encounter. Just based on the way that Jesus, the response of, uh, when you have a true encounter with Jesus, you know, that there's a change in life. Yeah. And he didn't forgive her just because he felt like it. He saw her heart. Her brokenness. Because yeah. Jesus wouldn't say your sins have been forgiven because he doesn't change. So that means that she had repented. She was actually in the act of repenting. Right. Because otherwise that goes against like the way that God works, right? That's right. All we have to do is like repent and ask for forgiveness and his grace covers us. But we have to actually like the true act of repentance costs you. Right. And hello, look what she just did. It right? actually cost her. Yeah. Um, so it was just, and I'm not doing it total justice, but so I'm like sitting in this train and I'm like bawling and everybody's like, who's this weird American girl that's like a mess, you know? But um, it's just, it was, I love when there's passages like that where it's just like super comforting that you can remember. Anyway. Um, so it said, 
737, a sinner, likely a prostitute. I wasn't, not that there's any shame in that. I wasn't complete relate, completely relating to her situation. Okay. She was not a prostitute. Um, perhaps repentant. I disagree. Um, an alabaster vial of perfume, a long-necked flask of fine translucent material used for storing perfume, and denarii are Roman silver coins. One denarius was a day's wage for ordinary workers, and hers was... Oh, the story. Yeah. That's a parable. So 500, so it's like a, a year's worth. It's a lot of money. Of salary, right? Yep. And then Mary called Magdalene from 8-2... Um, from Magdala, a small town between Capernaum and Tiberias, other Marys appear. The mother of Jesus, the mother of James, and the wife of Alphaeus or Clopas. These two Marys were evidently cousins. The sister of Mary and Lazarus, the mother of John Mark, and a Christian woman in Rome. And then Herod's steward is a position of some rank involving the management of Herod's finances. That must have been a little bit of a conflict of interest there. Mm, maybe a little bit. Right. And they were contributing their support. These women helped finance Christ's ministry. And again, Jesus was well ahead of his time. Yeah. Um, because, I mean, even look at like Afghanistan right now. Women are... Being repressed yeah, back yeah. into their place. Yes. So anytime that we want to say like, the Bible's just not relevant for my life today. It's very misogynistic. Um, Jesus completely accepted this woman who society... Did not accept. Yep. And probably she wouldn't even been welcome in that guy's house. Correct. Unless she was there for other reasons. Getting paid. Right. And women helped. Women helped Christianity actually. Start. If you think about it. Funded it. Yeah. So go women go. Go That's girl. It. Okay. I just want to tie in real quick to that before we wrap it up. Um, going back up bef- before that to the centurion. So this guy, we don't know anything about him other than his description. A centurion was an officer who had 100 people under his charge. So he was kind of a big deal. And um, the servant or slave was uh, so... We're talking on death's door. And this is interesting in verse 3. So when he heard about Jesus, he sent Jewish elders to him asking him that he would come and cure his slave i wish we had more detail when did he hear about jesus how did he hear about you what did he hear about jesus was it these jewish elders who talked to him about jesus because a centurion he's not a he this is a roman this is a roman army officer and he has had his ear to the ground apparently totally dialed into jesus Throughout the area. That is such a big deal. Mm -hmm. To me. Reading about this. And I want to skip down to. um, uh, Let's see here. Here we go. Where he says. Okay. The other thing I want to point out. Jesus never even. Jesus never meets the man. Mm -hmm. Never goes to the house. Mm Mm-hmm. It's all an exchange of um, messengers. Mm -hmm. That's important. So right here, verse 7, tying into Mary Magdalene, the prostitute, he says, the centurion says, for this reason, 
neither did I consider myself worthy to come to you. He didn't, he loved his slave, wanted him healed, heard about Jesus, but he knew his own sin and he didn't even consider himself worthy. This is an act of repentance. I'm mm-hmm. reaching out to you, son of God, and I am not worthy to ask this, but I am begging you to heal him. Mm-hmm. I'm not worthy to even come to you. So it's not that I'm arrogant sending my people to do my bidding. I can't even look you in the face because of who I am and what I've done, but please heal my servant. That is huge because that's the same heart that Mary's showing. I'm not even worthy of being here, Jesus, but I can't be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And just emptying yourself. And both of those really reflect how compassion that Jesus possesses mm-hmm. is, is for the broken. Mm-hmm. So I want to leave with that encouragement that tonight, as we wrap it up, or today, whatever time you're listening to this, I pray for your brokenness as I pray for our own, that we might come before Jesus in a brokenness and just know that our limitations need to be completely abandoned and just beg God for his touch, beg God for his healing and for forgiveness. No matter where you're at, I can guarantee this, no matter what side of the fence of any particular issue you may be on, Honestly, it doesn't matter because it's either you are going to be with Jesus someday or you're not. And I beg of you to come. I beg of you to come to Jesus today. If you have never made that, if you're reading the Bible out of curiosity, you happened upon this podcast. It wasn't an accident. I beg of you today, come to Jesus. Just like the centurion knew his limitations, just like Mary fell on her face and just cried over Jesus' feet. Do the same today. Cry out to him. Repent. Cry on his feet. And ask him to be your savior today. That's how I want to end that. Okay, deep breath. I love you, bride. Love you too. She is so beautiful. I love walking in the door and just looking. There she is. She is surrounded by textbooks and computers, and she looks so beautiful. We're in sweatpants and a t-shirt. Don't be all telling just, people you're juju. I'm just saying. You got mojo, girl. I was like thinking last night because I, you know, I'm getting back in the zone of school, and I'm like, I have to dress up again. And I was like, that's it. I'm not going in tomorrow. <laughs> just was like. Yeah. So did you dress up from the waist up? Did you do a Zoom? No. A formal Zoom? I wore this. Nice. George Fox. Represent George Fox. Okay. Well, I say uh, let's bid him adieu. I'm going to say this is a Friday night, so I can say this to you and be accurate. You might not be listening to this on a Friday night, but Shabbat Shalom, people. Mm-hmm. If you want to share something with us, you know, the email address is Andrea in Mark A at gmail.com, Andrea and Mark A at gmail.com. You've been listening to a guy, a bride, and a po- I almost said a podcast. Let's try it again. A guy.
Bride. And a Bible. God Peace bless. Peace out. Shalom.